Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. On this episode, we are going to talk about uh, Mookie Betts, something that he said about every game is going to be the World Series. <laughs> Fangraph is... Uh, predicting everyone's record for next year and Bobby Witt got a big contract today and uh, we want to discuss what does that mean for our boy Kyle Tucker but anyway joining me for their second episode of Astros baseball and this is their first live episode Wally and Ryan fellas what's up doing well what's up guys ready for Ready for what? It's, what are we ready? Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. It seems like it seems like every every year when you are in a in a uh, quiet spot in the off season, something happens, and then you're yeah. back to talking about baseball again. So let's talk. Here we go. There's a lot of stuff yeah. going on. So today it was uh. So when I saw this, uh, I think Ryan sent it out to us, and for some reason I was thinking it was Whit Merrifield, but he's not even in Kansas City anymore, is he? No, he's a free agent. He hadn't been signed. But he, I mean, last year he was with Kansas City. He was Kansas City. I thought he didn't. He get traded to to Toronto, or did hey, he go to? That's what I'm saying. Kansas I have no City. idea. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> he used to be the he's Kansas not an Golden Boy. Now, now <laughs> yeah. uh, he was. He was for a while. Yeah. Now Bobby Witt Jr. He he ate our lunch. <laughs> he's the one. He man would just eat our lunch. Yeah, he ended up in Toronto last year. Oh, okay. So so Ryan, talk about that contract a little if you got all the uh Yeah, ins you know, and outs it's of it. uh it's 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 interesting. And I think I saw Jason Stark, you know, post something that was that was really interesting as well, uh, where he said, you know, this is proof that small or mid-market teams can um, you know, can do long-term deals with top-notch players. Uh, you know, I think the thing that's interesting about this deal is the first couple of years. He doesn't make a ton. Right. So I think he only makes $2 million. uh, Although they gave him a 7 million plus signing bonus for 24, uh, but then 25 and 26, you know, gradually increase at seven and 13. And then he gets into the big money of 30 and 35 from there. Um, They gave him player opt outs right after uh, seven years, I think it's so 2030. So six years. So 2030, he has the option for a player opt out. Um, and every year after that, I'm looking at it right now and I pulled it up. So 30, 31, 32 and 33 are player opt outs. If he doesn't opt out, then uh, he plays 34 and the team has a three year club option uh, for yeah. 33 million, 28 and 28 million to finish the contract out. So it could be a 14, yeah, 14 year deal wow. up to what did that total 344 million, uh, something along those lines. So, wow. you know, I think it's interesting. I think there's something to what Jason Stark said is it shows that, um, you know, teams that are willing to step up and that are smaller mid-market teams can do deals with, with top-notch players, Bobby Witt. you know, he's only been, 
two years in, I think, right? Uh, so they're making a huge commitment to him uh, as a young player, but I think he's proven himself uh, as a young player. You know, uh, he's one of so those that young means guys. four of the years are sort of his. Uh, they bought. They bought. His little they bought three contracts, of his, years out. his arbitration, mm-hmm. and then. So a lot of people, you brought it up, small market team, right? And a lot of people are thinking, why would this guy commit to staying there? But he mentioned that he liked it there and it's home. But I can't say never because the Royals have pulled it off before. But he's not really going to have a chance to win the World Series in, in Kansas City. You know, they Kansas City seems to build and then they'll tear apart. You know, they did it many, many years ago, and they did it in 15. They had those teams, and they knew they they went for it, and they won. They were, you know, five outs away from losing to the Astros in the in, in the playoffs, but they but they did win. And this contract is basically a seven-year deal. If, it, if Witt stays longer than seven years, he's probably not living up to the contract, and that's going to be more problem for Kansas City than, than trying to match the market. Um, a lot of this is, you know, kind of fluff. So really when you look at it, like Ryan was saying it, you've got 16, you're probably talking about a 50 million, 50, $60 million deal over, you know, whatever number of years it is, seven number of years it is. And, um, then he, uh, then he gets a chance to go probably it's more than that, but you get the point. It's, it's not near as, as onerous on the team long-term. Uh, as it would be because he can opt out and probably will. So there's no uh, Shohei Otani magic in that contract. It's just straightforward. They, yeah, they seem to think it was just though. a straight up. I didn't, Ryan, did mm-hmm. you see anything? I didn't see anything that spoke to any deferrals uh, or anything no, of the sort other than the player options coming up at the end. But, you know, Wally, you bring up a good, good point. And the only reason that he would practice his player option is if he's playing like Shohei and feels like he can go get more than 30 or 35 million a year right. somewhere else. Right. So um, yeah, it, it's interesting to see this come out of a team like KC and, you know, Kansas city is definitely, like you said, Wally, one of those teams that seems to, uh, to always build up around the time that they're looking for a new stadium, <laughs> a new stadium deal. Um, and yeah. we could see that, you know, there's already talk of Kansas city asking for, a new stadium deal. So I think this may be one of those, um, you know, one of those feathers in the hat to say, Hey, yeah, we're doing everything we can to build a winning organization. So give us a new stadium. Uh, let us spend to some be money, fair. So. To be fair, that stadiums is the original stadium from six. Well, they, they played a year or so in municipal stadium, but you know, it's, it's a 50 some odd year old stadium. A lot of people yeah. compliment it that go to it. They say it's great. Yeah, it's not. It's one of the few that I've not been to, but I've heard that I've heard that it's a nice, you know, vintage style stadium. Yeah, I wanted to go last year because, you know, living in Texas and eating barbecue, Kansas City barbecue is supposed to be different. And I want to give it a shot. So and then you also have the Negro League Museum. It seemed like I could keep myself busy for a couple of days. Kansas City is a nice place. Cool city. Yeah, it is. Very nice place. All right, so uh, what do you think this contract, if it does anything at all, for Kyle Tucker? And you also have the fact that Tucker and the uh, Astros agreed on a contract this year. They didn't fight over it. In my view, if you look at the if you look at the uh, roster, 
freeing up some money for Kyle Tucker if this is something they want to do. It kind of looks to me like the Astros are going to spend money on pitching. I mean, but they did. Alex Bregman makes $30 million right now. So, right. so next year, after this season, that money will be freed up. If JV doesn't throw 140 innings this year, that $24 million will be freed up. We've got $54 million there to go make some kind of huge deal for Tucker. But what's it going to take? Ryan and I were kind of chatting about this earlier today and we were thinking who's going to be the GM and who's going to be the agent, you know? And so if I'm his agent, I'm saying something along the lines, if we started at eight and three twenty, you know, you structure it how you want to, you can start in a little lower, but you know, you agreed to 20 this year, right? 15, something like that. 12. Is it 12? I think it was 12. Okay. And then well, Framber, got 12, Framber got 12.1. He wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yep. The, he and Framber were the same number. You know, you, you work that number up to where, you know, it, it's, I don't think they're going to get a discount on him. Do you? I don't, oh, so no. I don't think, no, I don't think that there's going to be, I don't think there's going to be a discount. Um, you know, I think there's, there's two sides to this that are really interesting when you look at the whole scenario they went to arbitration last year and fought it out. Tucker wanted seven. Astros wanted to pay him five. The Astros won. This year, they more than doubled that and came to the agreement, right? So knowing that they didn't go back to arbitration and fight him, knowing, one, he started the season slow. Uh, two, he didn't have a really good playoff showing. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he, he didn't show very mm-hmm. well in the playoffs. And his defensive numbers went down this year. He he was not the defensive guy, even though he, he ended up um, as a Gold Glove finalist. I think wasn't he? Um, that yeah, he, I think he was. Pena was not right. Um, but his his defensive numbers took a little bit uh, of a hit. But I think that knowing that they gave him the twelve million and they didn't argue about it, they didn't go to arbitration for it. Shows that the Astros know what they have in Kyle Tucker and that they're willing to mm-hmm. step up and, um, you know, take care of him. And so I think that knowing last year and having to fight in arbitration left maybe a bad taste in Kyle's mouth this year. They said, we're not going to do that again. So maybe that's a good sign that they're going to be willing to, uh, you know, to, to to negotiate in good faith with Tucker, knowing that he's got the potential to continue to be the guy that we know he is. How old is Kyle? And, and also you've got Tucker's 27, 28, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. He's, so he's would you not, guys would you guys do 10 years, 350 million, 35 million a year? Is that too much? That's a lot. <laughs> 10 years is a long time. Yeah. Uh you know, I will say this about Tucker. But that's good, that's what age. he's gonna want though. If you want to keep him. Yeah. Like, like yeah, you said, you be age. the agent. He's the he's the owner. <laughs> I'm the agent. Yeah. I'm saying I want 10, 350, and the Astros are going to say no, and then bye-bye Kyle Tucker. You know, I've Rob, said for a long time that Kyle Tucker is going to get the biggest contract that the Astros ever sign. If yeah, you're right, they lock if up Kyle Tucker. He will get the biggest contract um, that Jim Crane is, has ever yeah. given. So I guess if we're, if we're fair, we'll just limit it mm-hmm. to Crane. Um, yeah. I, I I can see a shift. We were all surprised at the hater deal, right? So many of us were surprised because that didn't look like a Jim Crane contract at all. And so 
it it just it leads me to question has crane changed his thought process behind the way that he's giving out contracts and knowing that he's got a guy like kyle tucker here that he can buy out some arb and um and and extend and sign and you know maybe play that good faith thing of kyle tucker being a you know a, a homegrown guy that's played here that's won championships here that knows everything about the team you know will he take a discount because of all of that i don't really think so but i think that the astros have um they have good faith on their side uh and they have some stability here in him knowing the club so it you know it all come down to jim crane deciding whether or not he wants to buck his buck his system a little bit Uh, and maybe dana brown is the uh you know is the impetus to that couple of things here, you know, with Tucker, he's of the age and the position where the contract should age better than most people. You know, you take somebody like a judge and they put that huge contract on judge and he's already 30. He's playing center field and that body's going to wear down. You know, the, the, those guys that get those 10 year deals at 31, you know, those last three or four years of that contract are going to be bad. Yeah. Something else with, with Tucker. Something else with Tucker is they've got two other issues to solve before they get to Tucker, and that's Altuve and Bregman. So, if the, as I Ryan said, let's just keep him happy. <laughs> let's get that one off the let's get that one off the plate. Now we can start talking about Altuve and Bregman and see if we can get them signed. Uh, as we said in the last last cast, we both we all think that Altuve's got a higher probability. And to your point, Rob, that's thirty million dollars that comes off the books that you can use someplace else. Yep. I just look at Kyle Tucker, 30 homers, 30 stolen bases, 100 RBIs, two years in a row, two-time second-team All-MLB last two seasons. Whatever this guy wants, he's going to get it, and and he totally deserves it. Yeah, he's he's earned it. He's a guy that uh, you know. Wally just said it. He's he's been healthy too. He's not had any health struggles or issues. Uh, he's got a good build. He's got good work ethic. Uh, he's a prototypical guy that'll play well until his late thirties. Yep. He's, his, he's fundamentally so sound. You never see him throw to the wrong base. Yeah. He's awesome. He's got all the tools, strong arm, yep. strong bat. Let's lock him down. Uncle Jim. Let's lock him down. <laughs> all right. So in the background folks, you probably cannot see this, but this was a discussion of ours over the phone, over text messaging today when I was at lunch. The new spring training cap has been unveiled. And although I'm not a fan of the, I'm going to call it the Captain America logo, I hate the Astros logo with that circle around it. I can't stand it. However, it's not black. It's not a trucker hat. It's not the same thing they wear every game. I like it. I just wish if you if you saw the Cubs, there's a someone had showed all of them, but the Cubs is like baby blue with the blue bill and and the little cub walking. It's different than what they wear, not just the same logo with a circle around it. Like put a rocket, put the old logo that that Wally likes, you know, before the 70s, you know, like do something different. But I like this. I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneer look. Yeah, I like it. I have no, I have nothing negative to say about it. It does remind me of the Tampa Bay, the the original Tampa Bay helmets. 
Yeah, while he pulled that out of the archives, he said, he said <laughs> look at the dual, the dual orange colors, and, and it looks like Tampa Bay's old, old colors. Uh, it, There's it a does. few of them that are nice. That like uh, speaking of Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay has kind of a light blue with a kind of a yellow outline, white starburst. It's pretty sharp looking. Yeah, but yeah, like I'm I'm one. okay with the look. I, I I I don't hate it, and I'm not like super fan of it. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that I'll go out and and buy one, but um, it's 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 okay. You know, uh, it's not a the the light orange is not a color uh, that that with my complexion. Uh, will probably go well. So uh, I'll forego. <laughs> well, like I, like I said, the thing that I like about it is it's not the same hat. I'm not a fan of the trucker hat. I think they had like a, it looked like it was a black hat or something. I really didn't care for it. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. Better to in the last couple of years. It is. It's an improvement. Yes. But let's get, let's get creative with the logo. Let's put a rocket yeah. on there. Like, like uh, the Space Cowboys. They yeah. got creative logos. Let's do that. And I'm sure the guys that are controlling the Astros, they're the ones that made it. So hire them up, folks. Let's do it. All right. Did you all see the story? And I know you did because we talked about it at lunch. Mookie Betts. If you guys <laughs> didn't hear this, everyone out there listening. Mookie Betts said every game is going to be the other team's World Series. I'll start with you, Wally. You can say fair or foul. Do you agree with this? What is your thoughts on it? And then when you're done, go ahead, Ryan. Well, I hope it's like every day is like a World Series to, to them because last time we played them in the World Series, it turned out okay. <laughs> they, You know, just looking at, at the Dodgers, anytime someone talks like that, they're setting themselves up for a fall. Um, and when you look at the lineup, yeah, they've got a lot of stars, but it's, it's pretty top-heavy. You know, you've got T. Oscar Hernandez on the team. They're playing him up, and he's got the Joaquin Andohar, uh school of hitting. Swing hard in case you hit it. And you know, they've got James Outman's in center field. He's fine. Yeah, you've got Otani, who's, you know, a, a seminal player of our our time. But he's a DH and DH only. And, so, and the way so many managers like to use their players now is the DH is a glorified day off. Yep. Well, you know, somebody's got if somebody's going to get that glorified day off, Otani's going to sit, and he and by doing that, you 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 uh, diminish your lineup because he's a better hitter than anybody else is on that in that team. Yeah, you know, I, I think my first reaction is win the World Series, Mookie, before you can talk about <laughs> you know people thinking that playing you is is the World Series. Um, you know, I, I'm okay with athletes having confidence um and 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 knowing certain things about themselves and putting that out there uh i just think that this was a little extra egotistical on his part and it's a bookmark that a lot of people are going to save and you know maybe it's a little encouragement for them to play up to the uh you know the payroll and to play up to the expectations that they have uh and and that's fine but you know in in, in my in my in my opinion, man, win it before you start talking trash about it. You know, um, like you brought Mets up Shohei. last year. Yeah, you know everybody Who didn't went after think the Mets, Mets were going to go to the World Series with that team, and they 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 sold they the their players and, at and that deadline. The, yeah, the thing about that though is that everybody went after them, and they didn't perform right. And so Mookie saying that everybody's going to go after them. They're going to bring their A game, and so you know. 
they they better play up to those expectations because like you said you know they've they've got the lineup they've got the guys their pitching is a little probably where their question mark is um you know Shohei and the guy just came back from Tommy John like is he really saying he's hitting but is he really hitting and how good is he going to hit especially once he starts throwing now here's that's the big question right is in his rehab once he really starts throwing the ball you know, man, he's going to deal with soreness. He's going to deal with, is there scar tissue in there that he's going to have to struggle through? What's that going to do to his rhythm and his hitting and his, um, you know, his endurance. So I still think there's a lot of questions about the Dodgers just because they've got some big payroll guys. Doesn't necessarily mean look at, look at what the Padres did last year, man. They spent a ton of money put together what a lot of people also thought was a dream team uh, and they crash and burned. So uh, put your ego aside, Mookie, and let the you know let the let the proof be on the field, man. Well, here's the here's the Dodgers' projected starting rotation. Yamamoto, you know he looks great on film, but you know Japanese pitchers coming over to the MLB can you know, have mixed success. We expect them to be good, but you never know. Tyler Glass now and James Paxton are two others. Those two guys are walking DLs, and Bobby Miller, who's fine, but he's a rookie, and Emmett Sheehan. He's say he'll be a second year guy. That that's not the pitching staff that that that's going to scare you. What about and when the dude you with get the tight pants? What's that? That oh, Bueller guy. Kelly? Is he no? Oh, he's Bueller. on. Um, Bueller's he, not he had, ready to throw. Tommy John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, Tommy wow. John. He's out. Yeah, he's out until August. Right. Um, and when you get and a Kershaw, Kershaw thing, probably won't sign until May. Yep. Well, you know, and you get pitchers. Does. You get you get hitters who know that they're behind four nothing when they get to the first inning at the end of the first inning because their pitchers can't get anybody out. They start pressing. You know, one thing leads to to another, builds on another, and it, it can you know can unravel pretty quick. Now they should win close to a hundred games, but it's not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my thought on this is that how, that's how I feel about the Astros for like the last three or four years. Yeah. When people go up against the Astros, the Astros are playing teams. Even if they're not good teams, even if they're not in the division, they want to beat the Astros because they don't like them. So we've been getting other teams, a games all along. But, uh, yep. Everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's look at fan graphs. Let's look at fan graphs real quick because we're talking about Mookie Betts. And... So fan graphs has... The top four teams, they have the Atlanta Braves at 98 and 64. They have L.A. Dodgers at 91 and 71. They have the Astros one game behind. And maybe it'll change when, you know, some pitchers sign with the Dodgers. The Mets, 90 and 72, just like the Astros. Both teams, 90 and 72. That's your you top the, is four. It the, is it the Mets or the Yankees? Is it the Yankees? Did I write it down wrong? I think it's the Yankees. Okay. I was wondering how the Mets got good again. So it's the Yankees, 90 and 72. Um, 
And if you look at our division, Seattle 85 and 77, and they got Texas 81 and 81. What do you guys think about these records? I'm not sure I, I buy them. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the, uh, go ahead, Wally. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to, you know, I think there's there's a lot to be said for some of these projections and looking at the makeup of a team, right? I'm a huge stats and analytics guy. I love to look at the numbers and the data and try to extrapolate certain things from that. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing about these numbers uh, and you look at the makeup of the teams that are at the top, right? Uh, Atlanta, not a lot of movement there, right? They're coming back with the same team that won 96 last year, right? Or whatever it was that they, that they won last year. Uh, the Dodgers have made all of these moves. It's not the same team. It's not the same makeup, um, though their core is pretty similar, right? Um, the Astros, again, not a lot of change within the Astros. Uh, you know, we, we, we dropped the anemic bat of Maldi. Um, you've got Yiner that's going to play a little bit more. Um, and you've got Jake Myers that's projected to be the center fielder. So what is, you know, what does that do? I think you're still, you're still in the plus there, um, because Jake's bat's better than, than Maldi's was. So you're, you're, but you're not seeing a ton of change within some of those top teams there and the Yankees the same, right? Um, so I, I think that those projections numbers wise, I haven't dug into a ton of it, but if you're trying to pick out, you know, those top four or five, six teams, it's going to be those, it's going to be those teams. Yeah. Um, there's not anybody that I think is going to end up coming out and surprising everyone. Uh, maybe the Orioles come out and win four or five more games and they're getting credit for, uh, maybe the Rangers pull off a few more games than what they're getting credit for, but they lack a lot of depth in certain places. So I, I think that those numbers are probably pretty close. Yeah, you know? I think the Rangers are probably a starter short, but their lineup is really good. And, um, you know, they brought Travis Jankowski back, who on his own is not a, a huge piece, but you know, they pretty much traded out Evan Carter for uh, Grossman. You know, Gro Carter played in in the World Series, but Grossman didn't. And so you're bringing back Jankowski as the as the Grossman kind of guy. You know, their starters are Evaldi, Gray, Heaney, Dane Dunning, Corey Bradford. You know, you got a couple of guys in there. Maybe Dunning has is okay from time to time, but I mean, who's Corey Bradford? You've got Degrom and Scherzer coming back in July and August. Uh, they did they did make a couple of good ads in their bullpen with Robertson and Kirby Yates. So they're going to give they're going to give the Astros everything that they can they can handle. The Yankees looking at their lineup it's to me looks like a, a typical Yankee basher poorly constructed lineup. <laughs> the World Series winners are going to be the, the Kansas City Royals because they they signed Will Smith. <laughs> He's well, like or whatever, or whatever team Will Smith gets traded name to me, in yeah. August. Right? Name yeah. me one player. <laughs> Name me one player who's done less for his team and has gotten one back-to-back -back <laughs> rings than Will Smith. I, I Three. can't. Three. I can't. Back-to-back-to-back. Back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. That's right, because he closed out the yep. Astros. Yeah. Yep. So the the last – this this is something uh, that I spoke with Wally before you came on, Ryan. Here's the bottom teams. Oak, it's not actually there's one in between these two, and I didn't write it down. I just wanted to compare this. Oakland 72 and 90. 
I remember last year, everybody's like, they're not even going to win 30 games. And they ended up doing okay. But they got them 72 and 90. But what's crazy is Oakland's pretty much given up on life. And Colorado, 62 and 100. How bad are they? How does Colorado not have money to build a good team? Aren't they like a big market? Yeah, I mean, you know, mid, medium, medium, large market. Um, you know, Colorado's, they've been that team, though. They've been that team that, you know, goes through the roller coaster. They'll build up a couple of years, maybe get to the playoffs, maybe be on the, uh, you know, on the edge of a wild card. Um, and then they'll they'll be crap for four or five years. Uh, the stadium is amazing. <laughs> if yeah. you've never been to Coors Field, go check it out. Yeah, Colorado Rockies, I don't know what's going on over there. I don't, you know, don't pay attention too much to to everything that's happening in that system, but it's uh it's a train wreck lately for sure. <laughs> now, Jim Bowden, I was listening to MLB radio and Jim Bowden was talking about him one day, and Jim Bowden's just such a great listen on on MLB radio. He said one of the things that always got him about the the Rockies was they never get out of their comfort level. They always promote from inside, and, they, and they've stunk for years. And so they bring up guys from the inside who have that stunk mentality rather than bringing somebody in from the outside who can shake things up and give, give a new life. So, you know, it's, the, it's kind of the definition of insanity sort of, sort of team. You're going to get the same 70, 75, 68-win team until they decide to do something different. And then they go out and sign Chris Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next topic is uh, I got to write that dude's name down. It's the guy from last time that I took the uh, story about the chilies, how oh. far away the chilies are. But he had this graphic. It's how many runs you score in a game. Because when I would watch the Astros, I'm like, if they score four, they're probably going to yeah. win. And so this is really cool to see. It's every run you know if you score zero or one or two or seven or whatever what's the winning percentage and the overall record and who did it the most and i won't get into all of that but of course if you score zero you are uh zero winning percentage and it's zero and 309 so that means there's 309 shutouts and the oakland a's went 0 and 16 they had 16 shutouts and if you score two runs, your winning percentage is 231, and Oakland's 9 and 27 on that. So that's 9 and 33, just scoring two and one runs. And if you look at the if you look at what I was saying about scoring four runs, that's a 484 win percentage. So that's going to take some good pitching. So looking at this, you better score five runs, and you can you score five runs a game, you're in the playoffs. 636. Right. You that's it's not bad. It's five or six. Six is pretty good. I think the Astros last year were, I think they 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 scored five oh four and they allowed four point three something like that. Yeah, I don't remember what those. I don't remember what those numbers were, but I think it it was probably towards the end of September. I think that I had calculated if they had, if they scored four point seven runs, uh, you know, they had a. 80% chance of winning that game, you know? So yeah, that magic number being five, it's there's, there's something to be said about that magic number five, especially for the Astros. Um, you know, around you, the league, it's interesting that you see, 
you know, run scored has gone up, right? Pitch clocks, stolen bases. There's some of those things that have that have happened. We've we've seen the instance of uh, the juiced balls and some of those types of deals. Um, offense being a huge thing, it's uh, it's it's interesting to hear some of this and what you're bringing up and and the research behind what is your winning percentage when you score a certain amount of runs. There's obviously a lot of uh, a lot of things that go into that. You know, who are you playing? Who's the pitcher? You know, what's the ballpark? Um, so there's a lot of variables there when you when you're really looking at winning percentage by number of runs scored. But it's really interesting when you get to the end of the season and you look at your team specifically and say, yeah, you know how how good how good were you uh, when you scored X amount of runs and building a team around knowing that you can put that many runs on the board any given night based on a specific lineup matchups, you know, again, another variable, but uh, when you've, when you've got a team built to score runs all the way up and down a lineup, like the Astros do, you know, scoring 4.7 runs, most of the 80% of the time is, uh, is a pretty good problem to have. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where the Astros, I, I, took a, just a quick look and it was like 5.1 versus uh, runs four and 4.3 against, you know, when you're running, when you're scoring the better part of a, a run more than your team, a game, you know, you're going to win. Yeah. If you go all the way to 10 runs scored per game, the winning percentage is 949. The Texas Rangers, the offensive powerhouse, 25 and one. Mm. And you know what that was? No. You know what that one they lost was? Um, I'm assuming it was a game. The Astros were up. The Astros were up ten to nothing or ten to one. The Rangers came back and took like a twelve to eleven lead or eleven to ten, and the Astros scored in the ninth to beat them like twelve to eleven. Thirteen. I was I was driving down from Dallas around the Fourth of July, wasn't it, Brian? <laughs> I think so. Yep. It was a nuts game. It was midseason. That was that was a that was a crazy game. That Pretty sure it was a game, game that I turned off and turned back on. <laughs> yeah, because my because my phone was banging. You know, I was like, "Oh my gosh, what is happening?" I got to turn this game back. Well, on. I, I was listening to it on the car coming back from Dallas, and I was, you know, you say bad words in celebration, then you say bad words because they're not doing so well. Then you say, then you're so worn out at the end of the game, you just want to stop and get <laughs> stop and take a break. Find a Bucky's. So nine runs is nine oh seven. Eight runs is eight forty-four. So you can kind of watch with these numbers. You can kind of watch the Astros game. You're like, oh, they got six runs. That's a seventy percent chance they're going to win. And I'd like to keep up with the Astros, but if you score nine runs, you're one hundred forty-seven and fifteen. And the Cincinnati Reds were nine and one. The Dodgers had the most eight-run games. They were fourteen and five. Milwaukee had the most seven-run games, or they had the the most wins. 18 and two. So that's that. So score runs, win games. Runs, yep. win games. And then there's the Rockies. And then there's the Rockies. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of stuff we can keep up with this year, folks. Yeah. All right. So finally, if you are watching live or later on watching, watching on YouTube, the, what is it? What is it called? A banner? Ticker. Mm -hmm. The ticker, the ticker on the bottom, the Texas Rangers have the number three farm system. They got ranked number three. And let me step back and talk about the Astros. 
they have the worst. They have the worst, you know, the last few years. And, but they keep bringing people up. They bring people up that aren't even in the top 100 and they produce. And then you have people, you have players that are in the top 10 and they don't do anything. So I don't, I don't really care about any list saying that our farm club is the worst. It could be because it's pretty depleted, but, but the Rangers said, we aren't going anywhere. They were very confident in that. Uh, so I took this list here also from the same guy, which I got to tag him. Makers, but I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong name. So drafting wise, the Astros made 329 picks, 77 of those picks. And I don't know the, like the uh, time frame of these picks, but 329 picks, 77 of them reached Major League Baseball. That's 23% of their draft picks. And they're first. They're the best at that. And they're also the team with the, by far, the most homegrown talent on their roster. By far. The Dodgers are number two. Mm-hmm. They're 20%. Well, the Dodgers and the Yankees, they're both 20%. And what's funny, these are both two of the teams that are in the top five of the best teams winning percentage we talked about earlier, Texas, 326, 51. They are 16th tied for eighth, which is still pretty decent, but they're not, they're not going anywhere, but we're number one and they're number eight in getting your young kids to the major leagues, the people you draft. Yeah. I think the Rangers, you know, the Rangers have had good, good farm systems for a while. It, it, as much as it pains me to say it, it seems as though they took a turn when, when Nolan and Ryan, when Nolan and Reed Ryan left the Astros and went back to work with, with the Rangers. Um, I'm not a huge expert on the minor leagues and keep up with a lot of the inner workings of what goes on in the farm systems, but there seems to have been something that, you know, that kind of changed within the Rangers system when, when the Ryans got back involved the astros have have forever been going all the way back to you know lunau days it was it was one of the things that he very specifically put in place was was player development and it was top of the list of things that he wanted to to put together his his drafts were designed to not always necessarily take the best player available uh, but he wanted to quasi build a team every year of very specific players with very specific talent sets um, and then develop them. And I, I think that that, you know, that DNA has stayed with the Astros, obviously, for a long time. They're not stacked full of top level talent, but they have very specific players that are very specifically chosen because of what the Astros plan um, to do with those guys. And so. The, the problem that that has created over the years is that the Astros have developed top-level talent that come up and stay. And so now you've got pretty good, talented guys that are 25, 24, 25, 26 years old. They're starting to age in the minor leagues uh, because there's nowhere for them to come up to because you've got the Altuves, the Bregmans, the Tuckers. The, you know, you've got those guys that are up here um, that have stayed and have proven themselves. And so I think this is one of those things that over the next few years, we have to watch the shift again and see, you know, if Bregman doesn't resign, if, you know, if Bregman isn't extended or resigned here 
what do the Astros do there? Do they try to bring up a, a Will Wagner? Do they try to bring up a Luperfito? Who, you know, who do they bring up to really start to plug into these, to these places? Because some of that talent that they have is, has got some age on it from a minor league standard. And so I can see you in this rankings and the way that it works, why the Astros are, are ranked lower. Um, but if you flip that script and said, you know, how do we look at the, the, the player development? And I think this, you know, this exercise that you're going through really shows um, that the Astros very specifically have targeted certain talents to fit a need as opposed to just filling the farm full of, of mass, you know, players with, uh, with decent talent. And, you know, at the end of the day, your, your farm team is, to, is made to do one thing, make the big league team better. No one is, no one's carrying flags of the Pacific coast league championship at minute Maid park. I mean, nobody cares. And one of the things the Astros have also done so well is they've taken this such a novel approach in the at the international uh, market. Uh, so many of these teams go after the 15, 16-year-olds, and they throw money at them, whereas look at the guys who Astros have as, as main parts of their staff. You know, Garcia, you know, yeah, he's injured, but you've got Garcia, you've got Arquiti, you've got Fromber, you've got Javier. All those guys were high teens, low 20s guys, and they signed them for cheap, and they picked them up, and they developed them. Um, you know, the, one thing that Dana seems to be trying to do is he is seems to be uh, trying to build that farm up again, though, trying to take the the Braves aspect, because one thing that Luno did do that was I didn't agree with, and a lot of people didn't, is he got rid of a lot of the scouts. You know, went to a lot of the video, a lot of the analytics, taking pictures of them. You know, you don't get a chance to look at somebody's in the eyes and see, you know, see what they're made of. And I think that was a big part of the Astros uh, farm system dropping is they they lost that key element. And they're trying to build that back. And it would not surprise me to see the farm get better. You don't have to have the best farm team all of, uh, of everybody. You just got to be able to feed the pipeline. That's true. And they got rid of two huge pieces last year to get Justin Verlander. So. Well, and I think that's, you know, that's the other side of the coin to look at, right, is building, um, you know, building your assets, your tradable assets. Uh, and I think that that's where the Astros have thinned out because mm -hmm. they've taken a different approach. And so when you've got the opportunity to to go out and get a Justin Verlander or, you know, a Blake Snell, supposedly, as as conversation was happening over the course of the trade deadline last year, you're limited in, in being able to do some of those deals because you just don't have the assets. But, you know, one thing when they traded uh, Gilbert, I was looking at some numbers today, and you look at Gilbert's size. Yeah, he's a spark plug, 5'9", whatever. You know, 5'9", guys tend not to wear wear well in the bigs over an, over a period of time. Yeah, they can, but but they tend to wear out more. You look at a guy like Melton. You keep Melton because he's 6'3", 6'4", and, he's you know, he can, he can run. He's an athlete, and that's the kind of guy you can project to be a, a major league center fielder. And, you know, if Tucker doesn't stay – then you're ready, you know, Melton is a year or two away. You can plug him into right field and at least give him a shot. All right, so one last thing that I saw, but I, I have one more thing after that that's not in the notes. It's about Ryan Presley, so don't let me forget. Um, Another one that he had on there that was interesting, and this – oh, let me – I'm going to go ahead and put him up there because it has something to do with Ryan Presley and the bullpen. 
we talk about how good the Astros bullpen and how much better it is even now, you know, adding Josh Hader. It, it, it has it for every team, but I only wrote a few down. But if the game had ended in the seventh inning last year, and this shows you the strength of your eight and nine guy, Texas would have plus 10 wins. So they lost 10 games late. Because of the, the back end of their pen. Yeah. The Astros, yeah. you know how many games that they lost? Not zero. The game, the, their record would not be different if they, if they, Stop the games in the seven. Now there could have been some they won. Don't give man, don't give man for Denny ideas. He can come <laughs> up with some stupid idea. <laughs> so the Texas, if Texas would have got the plus ten, they would have finished one hundred and sixty-two. Astros stayed the same. The worst team. Oh, that maybe that ain't the worst team. Oh yeah, I guess I guess high numbers are worse. So so the second worst is the Padres. If the game, if the game would have ended in the seventh, they would have won eight more games. So there you go. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting to, you know, it's interesting to look at that and that's, you know, that's super frustrating. And you know, the, the, the interesting thing and that is bringing this to, to mind is, you know, 21, 22, the Astros were really good scoring runs late in games. Uh, And last year they just kind of didn't, really have a lot of comeback in them. Uh, so it, it's, it was good that they had a bullpen that could keep those games, um, you know, on lock at the, at the end there in, in seven, eight, nine. And so it's really good to hear that <laughs> with, with hater uh, we've got even more of a lock that if you can get some runs scored and, and take a lead into that last part of the game there, that you've got a high percentage chance of, of taking that, that W home. Uh, I'd love to see them figure out how to score more runs late in games. We'll see what comes, comes of that this year. Last year, last year. Happened to Ryan Presley or the story about him. Do y'all know? Yeah. Do you want, do you want to tell I, it, Presley? Go ahead. Presley was go ahead. Driving Warren. around the neighborhood. Na- Presley was driving around the neighborhood and some kid, some kid was throwing the baseball out with his mom uh, as they do every day. And Presley drove by. Stopped his truck, asked the thing. He asked the mom for the glove, and then played played catch with the kid. How cool is that? It just That's it pretty... speaks to it, it's it just speaks to the culture and just how great these guys are. You know, um, not that that wouldn't happen anywhere else with another player on another team. Yeah. But it's just so that's just so Houston Astros player ish. Like yeah. it's just a thing that doesn't necessarily surprise you that a guy from the Houston Astros, you know, got a little bit of media attention for doing. Um, I, 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 I love it. It speaks volumes. We've been so lucky in this town and not just in baseball, but in a lot of these sports going back many years where, you know, we've been pretty fortunate that we've had for the most part, really good characters around in, in the teams that, that have played for played in Houston. And if they don't, they seem to be ushered out. Yeah, or find their own way out, right? <laughs> yeah. Tends to happen that way. We really like these guys on our team, and especially like Altuve. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy's yeah. the nicest guy in the world. And even my brother, he's like, I hate that guy. And I'm like, how can you hate him? <laughs> the way he spits and he does this and that. I'm like, I guess Catch if – I, I guess if, his nails. 
Yeah, I guess if they're on your team, like the the good example was Roughnet Odor. It's like uh, I could stand that guy. How could like, you like that guy? How could would you I like, like that, that guy, guy if he was on our team and he was really good? Probably, <laughs> but I could I, I couldn't imagine it. I don't know. You mean Robbie might want to pick a better example than that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Dor Haymaker. I get your point. I get I get your point. He and yeah, he and Joey Bats need to need to go into a cage match and finally end it all. <laughs> that would be fun to watch. Yeah, you know, there's something about there's something about the city and and you know, like you said, maybe it's ownership in the teams and maybe it's the fans rubbing off on the players, you know, and just the culture here is uh is really cool. It's really fun. I mean, you know, uh Jose Abreu got into town and got right to work in the community. Um, you know, all these guys, Breggy does a ton with the uh, you know, with the autistic community locally and uh, these guys just really, really integrate themselves into, you know, into the community and, and love on the fans and love on the city. And it's just so great to see again, not that other cities don't have this with their players, but it yeah. just seems like there's something different about these guys here. Yeah. Tucker, you don't hear much about Jr. it, but McCullers is, yeah, McCullers is really big into animal, animal well, welfare. Yep. All right. Do you guys have any final thoughts before we uh, head out of here? No. Yeah, well, you got anything, Ryan? Uh, no, I don't really have anything specific. I, so we've you know, drained I talk, all your thoughts. I could, talk, I could talk sports and baseball and Astros all night, uh, but it's always good to get together with you guys and, and yap it up a little bit. Uh, good episode. All right. And so we're, my... T minus how, we're T minus how many days to pitcher and catcher report? Are we're we what, four days out? We're now 14th. oh till till uh, pitchers and catchers. So it is it is the fourteenth. Uh, I saw I saw nine, nine. Um, I Minus saw Abby, nine. I saw Abby Dubin post a picture of uh, um, now his first name has totally slipped my slipped my mind. Ah um, oh, dang. Anyway, her husband Dubin, the pitcher, uh, going to the airport. So Sean. he's headed down. Sean Dubin, Sean thank Dubin. you. Sean Dubin. Uh, headed down headed down a few days early. So uh, she posted a picture of him with his with his luggage walking into the airport. So apparently he's going down to get a head start. They do the uh, pitchers so, and yeah. catchers and everybody goes. They're, yep. they're all ready to go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's so exciting. Different what it, so different than what it used to be. Used to be they used to go down there and fatten out of shape and they went to get in shape. Now you better be in shape. <laughs> yep. So my final thought is this, sirs. I don't know if this was uh one of those fake stories, but they were talking about Ryan Presley got in trouble for something he did with a little kid and his mom. I don't know if he has something in his contract that he can't be out throwing the, the baseball. I don't know if this is BS. I don't know if this is real, but I'm definitely going to look into it. But anyway, that's it, folks, for another episode of Astros Baseball for Wally and Ryan. We really appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you Thursday night for another episode. All right. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.